So as we kick off this new series, we're looking at just that. It's a clever title, right? My life and my responses to life. Let me tell you some of the the conversations and the, the discussions we have had in our household recently over the last, man, it's probably happened over the last six months, but it has gone up a notch the last couple weeks, is my kids are wanting something and I am opposed to this something. So they keep coming back to me and bringing it up, bring it up, and I keep saying, well, we need to talk about it, we need to talk about it, we need to talk about it, which is my way of saying I don't wanna talk about it. You know that? That's a parent ploy, isn't it? So finally, my son did something just a few days ago. He handed this to me, and I wanna read you the note that he handed me. Becky and I are making dinner. He wrote this note, not prompted whatsoever. He comes over and says, Dad, I want you to read this. And I said, okay. Here's what it says. Dear dad, you know how much I love animals, so I will put my pet in a special room. You need to know why he wrote that. So for the longest time, I've told my kids, and this is going to sound bad, I've told my kids I'm allergic to animals. And there's, there's some truth in that. There, there's actually a lot of truth in that. I, I have a lot of allergies to animals, but then he started asking, well, like, are you allergic to snakes? And I'm like, Yes. What about like lizards? I think so. So it's there, I know it's a gray area. So his solution was I'll put my pet in a special room so dad, you don't have to worry about being allergic to him. So that's why that line's in there. Dear dad, you know how much I love animals so I will put my pet in a special room. Please give me a pet soon or I will completely lose it. <laughs> Signed, Connor, my six-year-old. Love it. Now, here's what I love about Connor's response to my response. First of all, you see this dynamic, you see it in your families, you see it in the workplace, you see it in life, where these responses kind of get volleyed back and forth, right? You respond in some way, and then somebody else responds to your response, and then you respond to their response, which was based off of your response, and now they respond to your, do you see what happens? It's these responses that get volleyed back and forth, and so this all started when my kid said, I would like a pet, and I would say, I don't want a pet, and it says, but please, 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 and I'm like, no, 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 and it keeps going back and forth, but I love his response here because it wasn't a reaction, it truly was a response, and those are very different, aren't they? This was not a knee-jerk reaction. I didn't show up home from work one day and there's a dog sitting in my living room. That would have been a reaction that would have produced a very different response from me as a father. It wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. It wasn't even all that emotional, but there's a little emotion. He did such a good job at that last part. Daddy, you don't understand. I'm gonna completely lose it. There's a little emotion tied to it, but it was a very thoughtful, intentional response. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, that doesn't mean we're getting a pet, just so we're all clear on that. But I was really proud of him. I was like, that's a great way to approach this. So then my response, I have a choice, don't I? I could look at this and I could just rip it up, throw it away, say, we're never getting a pet. Or he responded very thoughtful. He responded very intentional. So I kid you not, my wife is my witness. I said, Connor, you need to give me a presentation that answers three questions How are we going to afford it? Who's going to take care of it? And which pet pet would you actually get? And he started working on it. Once again, it's this volley of responses. And what we notice about how we respond is it begins to lay kind of these pavers through our life. How we respond takes us one direction or another, doesn't it? If we respond well, well, usually the other person 
responds well. If we respond poorly and emotionally and we exaggerate, if it's a knee-jerk reaction, then you see that come out of the other person. When life throws something at us, how we respond sends us in one of two different directions. My hope, my prayer through this entire summer as we lean in on this series is that when life throws whatever at you, whatever scenario, whatever situation, when people throw life at you, when you're faced with do I react or do I respond, I hope and pray you respond like my six-year-old son in some levels, (laughs) that it's intentional, that it's thoughtful, that it's not just the first thing that pops in our head. It's not just what we want to do. It's What should I do? How should I respond? What is the thoughtful, intentional response that still honors and glorifies God? When you're frustrated, when you're disappointed, what's the thoughtful response? When you're discouraged, when you're angry, what is the thoughtful response? When you're in over your head and stressed and worried and full of anxiety, what is the thoughtful response? When you're faced with choices, What is your thoughtful response that honors and glorifies God? That's what I'm hoping you begin to wrestle with. It is a whole lot easier to react. It is a whole lot more difficult. It's a different ball game when we slow down and we say, how do I respond in a way that glorifies and honors God as well as the people around me? So what we're gonna look at this morning is it's kind of the foundation of responses. If you can't get this one at least understood, we're not gonna do it perfectly, But we've at least got to understand and kind of adjust maybe our perspective a little bit on this one because it really does impact all of our other responses. So if you have a Bible, we're going all the way to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy. Go back to Deuteronomy. And what we're going to see in Deuteronomy chapter 30, let me give you a little context, is Moses has led God's people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. They They were slaves in Egypt. And then that whole Ten Commandments movie happens. Moses pulls them out of Egypt. God does incredible things. His children, that he calls them his children, the Israelites, they kind of disobey. So now they're wandering around the desert. Anybody know for how many years? For 40 years, they wander around the desert, waiting to enter what we call the promised land, the area, the land, the home that God has prepared for them. Finally, they're there. They're almost there. They haven't stepped into it yet, but they are so close. And Moses, their leader, is saying, now before you take that step into that new land, Man, we've been through a lot. That whole slavery thing and the wandering in the desert for 40 years, we're right there. We're almost there. But before you take a step into this new chapter of your life, let me give you a reminder. Maybe let me give you a challenge. Let me give you a command even. And here's what he says, and this is gonna be that foundational piece to how we respond to people as well as in life. Here's what Moses says right before God's people begin to cross over into the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting in verse 11. Here's what Moses says. Now, what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. In fact, it's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it, nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. No, the word is very near to you. It is in your mouth and is in your heart, so you may obey it. In other words, it's not that difficult. It's very doable. What I'm about to tell you, what I'm about to encourage you with, what I'm about to, his words, command you to do, 
is within your reach. It's not so far up here. It's not so far over here. It's doable. Now, just because it's doable doesn't mean it's easy, though. Just because it's obvious doesn't mean we go after it first. There's many things that are obvious in our life, and we choose oftentimes the easier route. So just because it's obvious, just because it's doable, doesn't mean it's what we choose to do. So he's laying that out. Here's, there's the disclaimer, the preface before he goes into it. Here's what he's going to command them to do. Remember, it's doable. Verse 15. C, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Those are two different paths, aren't they? <laughs> you don't get two different paths. Life and prosperity, and then you have death and destruction. It says, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, laws, and then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. So, so there's two very different responses you can make. As you're stepping into this new land, this new chapter of your life, life is going to be thrown at you, he's saying. Think back in our past. Life is going to get difficult. So how are you going to respond in those moments? Are you going to choose the path, the responses that lead to life and prosperity? Keep in mind, prosperity is a little bit different than what you might be thinking. Prosperity isn't, wow, a million dollars landed in my checking account because I did this. No. Remember, God's good is not always our good. What God considers good and a blessing, sometimes we don't always see it the same way. He's saying there's a way, there's a response that leads to life. There's also some responses that can lead to death and destruction. He says, if you want to walk down the path that leads to life and blessings, he said, you've got to love the Lord your God. You have to obey what he says. You have to hold on to him. He's painting a very real picture of what their future might look like. Now he paints the other side, verse 17. But if your heart turns away and you are not, what's this word there? You are not obedient. And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Two very different results, two very different responses, two very different ways of walking down those paths. He paints these two opposite ends of the spectrum. It begins to help them see what a response looks like that leads to life versus a response that leads down the path of death and destruction. So he sums it all up. He's reiterating himself and repeating himself. Verse 19, so this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. In other words, everybody has heard. All of creation has heard me give you this warning and this command. I've made it super clear. It's very doable. There's life and there's death. And how we respond will walk us down one of those two paths. Now he pleads with him. Now choose life. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your children may live, that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. He says, that's it. That's how we respond in a way that leads to life. We love the Lord our God. We listen to him. We walk in obedience to him. And I love that phrase, we hold fast to him. You hold on tight. You gotta be dependent on him. You're holding on for dear life in some instances, aren't you? We love him, we obey him, and we hold on for dear life. For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
There's his last charge. If you keep reading through, you're at the end of Deuteronomy where now Moses passes the leadership mantle to Joshua and Joshua leads them into the promised land and they are hit with life. And then you get these stories of Joshua and Jericho where, okay, here's, here's the situation in front of us. How do we respond? One of Moses' final things he says to the people that he had been leading is here's how you respond to life. Because you don't know what life's gonna throw at you. The Israelites had no clue what life was gonna throw at them. Moses can't stand there before his people and say, so here's what's gonna happen and here's exactly how you respond in every little situation. So he makes it general. He says, life is gonna happen. And you can respond in a way that leads to life or you can respond in a way that leads to destruction. He says, please choose life. Yes, it's doable, but yes, it's harder because it requires us the response to love God, walk in obedience, obey him and hold on tight to him. I love that he says this as they're walking into that new land, that new chapter. And maybe starting summer, it's a new season, it's a new month. Maybe you just need to like, put an end to it and say, okay, we're starting fresh today. It's a new day. It's a new season. It's a new month. No matter what has happened in our marriage, no matter what's happened in the workplace, no matter what has happened, fill in the blank, today we're gonna start fresh. We need, we need some of those, don't we? We need just some of those markers that say, you know what, fresh start today. And maybe that's you, where you just need to put a line in the sand and say, no, today marks a new day. So let me act like Moses for you for a moment. So moving forward, how do you choose life instead of destruction? How do you respond in a way that leads to life versus responding in a way that destroys your life? Those three things that Moses said. Love the Lord your God. Nothing new there. You expect to hear that on a Sunday morning. Walk in obedience. We've heard that before. Hold on tight to him and be dependent on him. None of these things are brand new. Remember he said it's within your reach. It's very doable, but we don't always chase it first because it is a little bit harder. And sometimes we react versus respond. This requires a response, not a reaction. So my hope and my prayers, maybe you're calling it a new day today, but that your responses to life would be responses that bring life. Let that be your your thought process. Anytime life is thrown at you, okay, let me pause long enough. Let my responses to life Be a response that actually brings life and leads me down the path that ends with life, blessing, and prosperity, not death and destruction. Now, this is an Old Testament story. This is prior to Jesus. So does it still apply to us? Absolutely. In fact, Paul says something very similar talking to the early churches. Here's the way Paul talks about these two responses, these two destinations and how they interact with each other. Galatians 5, 16 through 17, Paul says this. So I say, walk by the spirit, that would be life, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. Do You see that, uh, that, that battle back and forth again? Well, here's life and blessing. Well, here's death and destruction. Well, this is following God and this is following what we want. This is following the spirit. This is following what Paul says, our flesh. He says they're in, in battle with each other. They're at war with each other. They are in conflict with each other. Listen to this last part. So that you are not to do whatever you want. Ooh, that one hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, you, wait, but I have freedom. I am a grown adult. 
I have my rights, I can do whatever I want. Well, sure, but where does that response lead you? Where does that choice lead you? Moses and Paul, we even see Jesus say pretty much the same thing of there are two paths our responses lead us down. Life and destruction. What he wants versus what we want. Now, as you can tell, we're gonna lean in on that obedience piece. And that's everybody's favorite topic when they show up to church on a Sunday morning. It's summer and we're gonna talk about obedience. Does it get any more exciting than that? That's why we have popsicles after service today. <laughs> Figured that helps. We're gonna talk about obedience and then we're gonna give you some popsicles. Maybe it makes a difference, I don't know, maybe not. But I'm hoping we can actually change your perspective of obedience a little bit. Because usually obedience has a very negative connotation. We rebel against obedience. We resist obedience. We want to do what we want to do and not let anybody else tell us what we are supposed to do. We don't like being told what to do. We like our freedoms. We like our independence. But remember what Moses said? Love the Lord your God, obey him, and hold fast him. Be dependent on him. So let me help you understand obedience a little bit different. We're gonna do an exercise here. We're gonna do an experiment, all right? You're gonna need your hands to clap. You ready for this? Let's see how well a room of about 200 people, and yes, do this on Facebook if you're doing it. People around you will think you're a little strange. That's okay. Here's what I'm gonna have us do. I want you to get the song, Happy Birthday, the Happy Birthday song in your head. Don't sing it, don't hum it, but we're gonna clap to it. You think you can do that? So get happy birthday in your head. We're gonna clap to it. All right, ready? A one and a two and a one, two, three. You did great. That's amazing. They can clap, Patrick. They can clap. Let's see you do that during worship sometime. Ooh, anyway. You did well, you did well. All right, so you did that so well, we're gonna take you up to, that was like you're at a beginner stage. Let me move you up a space, a, a level here. So now I'm gonna clap. I'm not gonna tell you what the song is. I wanna see if you can figure out what song it is. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Nobody? I'll keep going. Anybody? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, nailed it. There we go, all two of you. I think I might have heard somebody else over here. All right, let me give you another one. Let me give another one because the rest of you are struggling a little bit. We might have to go back to happy birthday in a second. All right, let's try this one. All right. Um... Itsy Bitsy Spider, come on, Patrick. There we go. You're not allowed to play 11 o'clock service. I'm gonna have to change this. All I have is nursery rhymes in my head, if you can't tell. <laughs> now, what made the two so different? We, we, we clapped to songs you all know. Uh, you've all heard Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, I'm assuming, right? Yes, and, and you've heard Itsy Bitsy Spider. The difference, the obvious difference is I told you what it was ahead of time and you were able to internalize it. See, and even now that I say it, if we were to go back and do Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, let's see if you got it. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Now it's running through your head, isn't it? See, oftentimes when we are told to be obedient, when we are told to do what God says, all we see is the clapping. We're like, that looks stupid. That looks ridiculous. Why would you ever do that? That's, that, that is not what it should be. Because we have different songs in our head. What you're thinking may not be, and I might say, for me included, probably isn't what God is thinking. 
So God is saying, follow my lead. And we're like, I can't because I don't know what you're thinking. That's why knowing this becomes so crucial in our lives. Because once you get the song in your head, guess what? It's a lot easier to follow along, isn't it? It becomes more obvious, at least. I'm not saying it's easy. Easier to follow along. Oftentimes we look at obedience as a, I just have to clap the way I'm supposed to clap. It has to be like this because, well, that's the way God says to do it. Instead of, what's the heart behind it? What, why is he having us do that? And I'm not saying we're gonna know all the whys. There's plenty about God that will remain a mystery. And we'll talk about that in a second. But you have to internalize it first. If you can begin to have the same song in your head as God, you will start to see it. It will start to make a little bit more sense. And no longer is it because I have to. It's, okay, I'm following along. Obedience begins in the heart. In fact, obedience is a response. Don't miss that. It is most certainly a response. Obedience is a response first to the love that God has already shown us. That's the first part of that song that's in our head. It's in God's head. It's a response first to the love that he has shown us, but also the trust that we have in him. Because there's gonna be parts to that clapping that, okay, now this part doesn't make any sense. I don't know this part, but I'm gonna trust him and I'm gonna follow along. See, understand where obedience falls. Remember Moses said there's three things, love the Lord your God, obey him, walk in his ways and hold fast to him. There's a reason obedience comes second to love the Lord your God because that's what God has done for us. Romans 5 says, this is how God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners, while we were not clapping on beat, in other words. He died for us. He came for us. So our, our obedience does not make him love us. Our obedience does not cause him to love us any more or any less, but it is a response of us. It is our response first to his love that he has for us, and it's also a way that we show that we trust him. That's how we can clap with him. But you have to internalize it first. And when you internalize it first, you notice it becomes a heart issue. You have to respond, not just in the right way, but also with the right heart. So if you wanna truly follow along in God's footsteps and you want to obey him, respond in a way that leads down the path for life, well, respond with obedience, yes, but respond by doing the right thing, but also with the right heart. That's the internalizing piece. Sometimes my boys, I say sometimes, a lot of times, my boys, uh, six years old and four years old, they'll fight just like normal, you know, brothers fight. And we'll get them, okay, hey, hey, what's going on? And it never matters. And it's like, oh, you need to apologize. And one of them says, sorry. <laughs> Hang on. That's not what I'm talking about. Look at your brother, put your arms down and say, sorry, sorry. <laughs> We're getting there. Come over here, face each other, say, sorry, sorry. One more time, you're almost there, sorry. Okay, now hug, and yeah, so you see what happens there? As a parent, there's a reason we don't let that first one fly. Yes, you said it, but it wasn't the right way, it wasn't with the right heart. Jesus speaks that. He gives a short little story in Matthew chapter five where a man comes to give his gift, his offering to God and remembers that he had something against someone else. And Jesus says, stop what you're doing. Stop and go and reconcile yourself to that other person. Then come back. So it's not good enough to just obey for obedience sake. Gotta have the right heart. 
Remember, our obedience is a response because of his love, but also our trust of him. There has to be some internalization of that as well. Respond with that right heart. I'd also tell you to respond with ridiculous obedience. Ridiculous obedience. And here's why I say ridiculous obedience. There's actually a lot of different types of obedience, which are all classified as disobedience, but we like to rationalize them and make excuses that, well, it's still kind of obedient. For example, uh, we have the, the delayed obedience. That's a, yeah, I would love to obey. I agree with you, God. I see where you're coming from, but just not right now. And it doesn't fit into my schedule to do what you're asking me to do in this season of my life. But you know what? Once we get through the craziness of summer, we'll kick back up in fall. August is a good time. Kids are back in school. August is a good time for us to get going again. It's, I would love to obey, but man, our, just, our, our life situation isn't allowing us to do that right now, God. I'm really busy. I don't have the money. I don't have the time. I just got too many things going on in my head right now. Do you see how we delay our obedience? Still disobedience, we just like to explain it away. We have delayed obedience. We also have conditional obedience. I would love to obey you, God. What's in it for me? God, I would love to do what you say to do, but I need to know what do I get out of it first? It's conditional. I will obey you if you take care of something for me. I will obey, but I better get something better on the other end. It's conditional obedience. We also have selective obedience. We're great at this just as people in general, right? My, again, I see it in my kids all the time. Becky and I will say, hey, I need you guys to clean your room. Nothing. Hey, guys, the dishes are still over here. You got to walk them over there. Nothing. Guys, I need you to clean up. I'll get louder and louder, and then I'll whisper, if you want ice cream, come downstairs. What? And they just rush downstairs. I'm like, there's no way. You couldn't hear me the other times. It's selective, isn't it? We choose what we want to hear and then we act on it. We do the same thing with God's word often. Well, God, you said this. Ah, you know what? That, I, I don't think I wanted to hear that part. But this one over here, I'm happy to hear. Well, we, we begin to pick and choose. We select what we want to obey and we begin to ignore the rest. Still disobedience. We just rationalize it under the umbrella of, well, I'm being selective. Last one I want to tell you about is compared obedience. I am definitely not as bad as that guy right there. I don't know who I'm pointing at, just so we're clear. Can't see that far in the back. Guy in the back's like, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> as long as we're not as bad as somebody else, as long as we look more obedient than somebody else, well, then we are officially obedient. We're in good state with God. It's not a competition. Remember, go back to the heart thing. It's between you and the Lord. So that's why I say ridiculous obedience because it's between you and him and it's immediate and it's a thoughtful, intentional response that leads you down the path of life versus the path of destruction. James 1, can't say it any better than this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Say it with me, that last part. Do what it says. One more time. Do what it says. Jesus' words out of John 14. Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments goes back to what obedience really is. Yes, it's an action, but it begins as a response. Our response to the love that he has for us and the love that he has shown us and it then proves our trust. Obedience is trust in action. That's where it begins. Obedience is trust in actions. Now there's one question we haven't really answered yet. Why obey? Yes, because you have these two paths, life and death and everything else that Moses and Paul and Jesus talk about. 
But really, let's, let's, let's be real for a second. Why obey? Because we don't always get anything out of it, let's be honest. There's plenty of times where, man, we're obeying. Man, God, I'm doing everything you've asked me to do. Life is still falling apart on that topic. Can I remind you of one thing? Blessings is God's department. Obedience is ours. That goes back to that, well, I'll obey if. It goes back to that conditional obedience. So why obey? Let me throw this out at you, just as a thought, that you have no idea what that one step of obedience may lead to. You have no idea what that one, and I'm not gonna say small step of obedience because I believe every step of obedience is a big deal. What that one step of obedience, it takes you down this path instead of that one. And then you take another step in obedience and it takes you down this path instead of that one. You have no idea what it will lead to for you, for your family, for the people around you, for your community, for your marriage, for your finances, for your job situation. You have no idea what that one step of obedience, what it could lead to. Psalm 119, 105. I'm gonna put a big version of this up on the screen because it's that important. Take a picture of it, write it down. Your job over the next seven days is to memorize this one sentence because this is gonna be part of your response to life. You want to respond to life with a response that leads to life? Here's one of them right here. Your word, your word, not my word, not somebody else's word, not what I think the word says, but God, your word is a lamp for my feet, my life, my situation, my path, where I'm at right now. We contextualize and personalize it all day long. That God, your word is a lamp for my feet and it is a light for my path. You can put your name in there. That God, your word is a lamp for Brian's feet today. And God, your word is that light for Brian's path today, that next step. And I love that it is a lamp and a light. It's not a big spotlight. In other words, you're gonna get just enough light to see your next step of obedience, just the next one. But God, I need to know where this is going and where this is in and I don't know if I can do all of this. And he says, no, 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 no. My word is a lamp for your feet. One step, you're gonna see it. Don't worry about the rest of it. And then you're gonna see another step. Then you're gonna see another step and you have no idea that one step of obedience will lead you. It's like God, out of nowhere, talking to a guy named Noah. Noah, I know you're in the desert. I know it's not raining, but I need you to build a huge boat. It's God going to Moses, who's running for his life, who was a murderer. He says, you know that person you're running away from? I need you to go back to them and you're gonna actually deliver my people. It's going to a guy named Abraham. Abram at the time, and God says, I'm not gonna give you a lot of details. I'm just gonna tell you to move. Keep going, I'll tell you when you'll get there. Well, where is it? Don't worry about it. Keep walking until you get there. I'll tell you when you get there. It's God going to a man named Daniel, saying, no matter what, keep praying to me. I know, I know, don't worry about the lions. Keep praying. It's God going to a man named Gideon, saying, I know, I see the army. I see how many thousands they are, but Gideon, your army's still a little too big. Let's get you down to closer to 300. I know, doesn't make sense. Let's reduce your army a little bit. It's God going to a man named Joshua. I know there's somebody in your way. I know they have a huge fortified city. 
And I know you can't fight them and win them. So Joshua, why don't you just start walking around the city? I know they're gonna laugh. Just walk around the city and see what happens. It's Jesus going to a man named Peter saying, I know you haven't caught anything all day. Why don't you throw your nets on the other side? I know it sounds a little ludicrous and I know you're tired, but throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Jesus going to a man named Matthew. I know the life that you've lived, Matthew. I want you to just literally right now leave everything and follow me. Don't ask questions. I can't give you a lot of answers. Just leave everything and follow me. It's Jesus himself in what we call the Garden of Gethsemane. Moments before his arrest, Jesus crying out to God the Father saying, if there is another way, God, let's do that. But not your will. Do you know how it ends? But your will. You never know what that one step of obedience could lead to. May you respond to life in a way that brings you life, one step at a time. If you'll close your eyes with me, I wanna give, give you one thing to hold on to and think about as we end with prayer. What is that next one step? Don't think about everything. Don't worry about where it's ending up. Right now, I guarantee you, each and every one of us in this room and watching online, we have one step of obedience we're wrestling with right now. What does it look like to take that next one step? Father God, thank you so much for your word. Your word that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. May we rely on you and you alone. May we respond to others and to life in a way that brings us life and leads us down the path of life. And we're not gonna get it right all the time. So may we stumble in the right direction. God, that we would choose life, to love you, to walk in obedience to you, and to hold on tight, sometimes for dear life, to you. Because we have no idea what our one step of obedience may lead us to. Jesus, help us. Jesus, lead us. And may we follow hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen.